0: welcome 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 once again on this glorious and holy shabbat and again i say to the mishpukah to the gentiles and to the other nations shabbat shalom to all of you welcome to the science of the covenant podcast and as you know i am boyce washington and on the other side of me is my father the pastor richard washington and if you have any questions or comments while this podcast is live, or even after it's live, you're listening to the podcast. Feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant@gmail.com. At it's in the ticker. Also, send us a message of your comment or question, and we will try to get it on the air during the podcast. And if you doesn't make it on the air, we will address it on the next podcast. So, as you know, if you've been following us, we have been dealing with the studies from the pastor on the science of the seed. And today we're on the science of the seed, part eight. So, pastor, I'm turning it over to you. What are we going to be dealing with today on the science of the seed? Okay, last week we were trying to cover what we call
1: the pre-creation uh, chronology. And as we dealt with the pre-creation uh, chronology, we were showing that even before this world uh, came into existence, that the son of Elohim was already in existence, even though in order to be a son, there was a time that he was not in existence, but prior to creating the heavens and the earth and this universe, uh, he came into existence sometime in eternity past, and we were looking at how when he came into being, he and the Father were responsible for both the creation of the universe and also the salvation of the universe. So we kind of look at that pocket of time, of which we call the pre-creation chronology. Now today, we want to go into another time frame, and that time frame is the present creation chronology. We dealt with the pre-creation chronology Now, this day, we want to deal with what the time frame of the present creation chronology. And when we speak in terms of a present condition of creation, it is in reference to the time period from the creation of this world to the time when this world will be destroyed. So when we look at Eden all the way until the time of the end, This is what we call present creation. And this chronological framework of time also uh, includes the time of the reign of the saints and that of the death of the wicked who await the second uh, resurrection. So those who come up in the second resurrection to be eternally destroyed uh, will also be a time that we consider of the present creation chronology. So everything in this present world that now exists is what we call present creation chronology. And in the present creation chronology, what we want to establish is that Yeshua, our Messiah, is in existence during our present world. However, Yeshua's Father remains in heaven While in our present world, Yeshua makes his appearance into his creation. And when we deal with Yeshua in our present world, who is called Michael in heaven, we will look at evidences as to him being Yah's seed. Let us also keep in mind that the time span we are concerning ourselves with is what we call the present creation chronology while it is considered the time from the creation to the destruction of this world. So now, just before we get into our first text, let us have a word of prayer. Eternal Father, we thank you for another privilege of being able to assemble ourselves together on the Shabbat that we may be able to discuss more about your seed. And as we discuss your seed, we can see that it's from your seed that your son came forth. And as we continue to pursue this subject, continue to give us added understanding through the power of your Holy Spirit that we may be able to discern that your son that was skinned into this world is one of the most important subjects that we can deal with. And as we understand the son, we can understand the great plan of salvation that you have provided for your children. So bless each person that is listening. Bless my host that is directing, and bless me as I speak that the anointing of the Holy Spirit may be able to take this worship and to be able to have it, to be able to display your glory and your praise. We ask this prayer in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, and for his dear sake we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Okay, our first text that we want to consider here is found In the book of uh, Genesis, we want to go to the book of Genesis, and we want to go to chapter uh, 13, and we want to consider verse 15, Genesis chapter 3, and we want to look at verse 15, which says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, And between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. Now, one of the first mentionings of Yah's seed is found in Genesis 3.15. And as we have read, it talks about two seed. It talks about the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. So when we look at these two seeds, what we're looking at is that And they are the seeds that would come from the woman. So here in this text, it talks about uh, uh, the conflict of two seeds. And as we look at the conflict of these two seeds, what we are discerning is that the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent are at odds with one another because he said there would be enmity, and the word enmity means hatred. There would be some hatred between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. So these two seeds would be in a competition with one another until this world draws to a conclusion. These two seeds are identified respectively as the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. These two seeds would have a hatred for one another, and let us identify these two seeds more closely. So let us identify them by reexamining our text. Now, a text says, I would put enmity between thee and the woman. Okay. Now, when it says thee in this text is the reference to verse 14. So now let's find out who the thee is. He said, I will put enmity between thee. So when we back up in Genesis chapter 3 and go to verse 14 above the 15th verse that we read, it said, and Yah Elohim said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. So, the thee in this text is in reference to verse 14, and above it, which would refer to its antecedent, the serpent. When it's talk about thee, I would put enmity between thee. Okay, this thee is the antecedent of the, uh, the serpent in verse 13 that was cursed above all of the creatures of the earth. So that's who that thee is talking about. It's talking about the serpent, the one that deceived Eve. So when we look at the thee in this text, we are pointing out that it's his seed that is it, that being spoken of here in, in this particular context. So the woman mentioned here can only be the wife of Adam. And so as we look at wa- Adam, there was no other woman around but her. So when he talks about her seed, he's talking about the woman, which is Chua, which was Eve. And later in this passage of Scripture, Adam would call his wife named Eve. Okay, so when we look at uh, Genesis 2, let's turn to Genesis 2, and we look at verse 23. Genesis 2:23, talking about the woman here, it said, and Adam said, "This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh; she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man." And then, in conjunction with that, we read Genesis 3:20, and Genesis 3:20 says, "And Adam called his wife's name Eve." because she was the mother of all living. So here we have both the serpent and the woman, and from the two of them would come a seed, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Now we ask ourselves a crucial question, where do the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman come from? Where do these seeds come from? Now, our text state that both the serpent has a seed and the woman has a seed. So where did their seeds come from? So let us start with the woman's seed, since we have somewhat of a general knowledge as to where her seed comes from. And then we'll proceed with the serpent's seed. We will refer to these two aspects of our study as the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And we'll call, and we'll start with the seed of the woman, which we'll call the Thelus, the Thelusperm, the Thelusperm, sperm. Now, the Thelusperm, that word is spelled T-H-E-L-U-S-P-E-R-M, Thelusperm. Now, this term Thelusperm comes from, the Greek words, respectively, the loose t h e l u s. The word the loose means female, and the word uh, for seed is sperm, coming from the word sperma, which means, which is s p e r m a, sperma, meaning seed. These two words together means the female seed. We know from Genesis 1:27. It says, let us turn there, Genesis 1:27. Here it says in Genesis 1:27, and Elohim created man in his own image. In the image of Elohim created he him, male and female created he them. So, when we look at this particular pate- uh, passage it is speaking about the fact that male and female were created in his image. However, the way by which Elohim created them is what we refer to as the separation arrangement of which we call the alienation process. Let us briefly focus on this process. So we're talking about the alienation process. There are two things we want to be cognizant of in the alienation process, okay? Now, the first alienation process we want to find in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, and verse 7. Now, here it reads, And Yahweh Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So the first thing that we want to be cognizant of is that when Adam was created from the dust of the earth, his physical substance was separated from the soil of the earth. What we have in the alienation process is that Adam was taken out of the soil of the earth. He was separated from the soil of the earth in this alienation process. It is understood that before his separation took place that this earth contained all of the essential elements needed to make man's physical being. This would also mean that the anthrosperm or man's seed would also be composed of the elements of the earth. Everything physically that Adam possessed came from earth's soil. So let us now consider the second thing needed to be, that we need to be cognizant of. So the first thing is that man was made from the earth. All of the elements of man's being came from the earth, all of his physical being. Now the next thing we need to be aware of, Uh, is found in Genesis chapter 2. And we want to read verses 21 through 23. Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 23. And here it reads, And Jehoah Elohim caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which... Yahweh Elohim had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man and Adam said this is now bone of my bone and flesh this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man so what we see here uh, is our second thing that we are aware of that like Adam he was taken from the soil So when Eve was created from the bones and the flesh of Adam, her physical substance was severed from the human soil of her companion, which was Adam. She was taken from his being. What we have in this alienation process is that Eve was taken out of the human soil of Adam. In this alienation process, it is understood that before this severing took place that adam contained all of the necessary ingredients needed to make a woman's physical being this would also mean that the female egg the woman's egg would also be made of the ingredients of humans of the human earth Everything materially that Eve possessed came from Adam. Now that we have observed the alienation process, let us now observe what we reference as the union, unity, unity, unionization arrangement, the unionization. So when we talk about the unionization arrangement, we are talking about, uh, we call this the amalgamation process. Now we looked at the alienation process. Now we want to look at the amalgamation process in reference to the separation arrangement, which is called the alienation process. Once the process is completed, it is then put in reference to the unionization arrangement which is called the amalgamation process. So let us briefly focus on this process. So this process the amalgamation process there are two things we want to be aware of in the amalgamation process. Okay? And the text we want to use is Genesis chapter 2 and we want to look at verses 22 to 24. Okay? We're talking about the amalgamation which means to bring in together uh, 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 to bring it together. Okay, so let us look at what needs to be brought together. Now here in Genesis chapter 2, and looking at verse 23 to 24, it says, And the rib which Jehovah Elohim had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. They shall be one flesh. All right. So first Eve was introduced to Adam by Yahuwah. This bringing forth the woman to the man constitute a marriage. The marriage state of a man and a woman is when Yah brings to a man a woman of his making What we see in this first marriage arrangement is that it was to be comprised of Elohim introducing Eve to Adam and Adam recognizing Eve as being a part of he himself. His love for her and her love for him would be influenced, one would influence one another's being with the love of Yah, which is shared with them in their being created. So when, 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 when Elohim created the man and the woman, he created them out of love. And when he separated the woman from the man, the man had love and the woman had love. So therefore, when they were loving one another and had become one flesh, they were in actuality loving themselves because both of them shared the same physical being. And when they were separated, when Adam loved Eve and Eve loved Adam, they were simply loving themselves. And that love had come from their creator who had made them. So he made the wedding bond that they had out of love. So when they had their matrimony and they were married, they were to share the love of Elohim. This is what He intended them to do. That when He created them, the love that He shared with them, they were to share with one another. Elohim said to this wedded couple after blessing them that they should be. Free. Now we read, we read in the, in in, in, in the. We read in Genesis one. Let's go back to Genesis one, and we want to look at verse twenty-eight. Okay, now here's what Elohim wanted uh, Adam and Eve to do. And the Bible says in Genesis 1, 28, And Elohim blessed them, and Elohim said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living creature that moveth upon the earth. So here we have, uh, when he made Adam and Eve, his, he, he, he he wanted them, to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, uh, the fruit bearing, multiplying, and replenishing all depend upon the seed created along with Adam. In other words, if they were to bear fruit, multiply, and replenish the earth, they had to have a seed in order to do this. Now, when we look moreover, the second thing we want to notice in Elohim had some expectations. First, he had some expectation for the holy pair in their Edenic home. So now, the first thing that we we looked at Was the marriage that he had introduced Eve to Adam? Now, the second thing that we want to look at is dealing with Elohim's expectations. Okay. Now, in sharing, in in the sharing of Adam's seed with Eve, they would populate the earth with beings of like kind. Now, what would the beings of like kind? Well, when he made Adam and Eve, he made them out of his image, and they were perfect. And so he had an expectation. Elohim's intentions were uh, that the beings coming forth from the seed of Adam would both be like Elohim and his son. So that was his intention. So making more beings in the universe, and particularly upon this planet, to be able to have beings like Elohim himself. That was his expectation. And to create a family of humans who would share the love of Yah from generation to generation. So his intention was that when he created beings in his image, that these beings would reflect his love. And when they had an offspring, that their offspring would also reflect his love. However, such an expectation was interrupted by their transgression of the covenant established by their creator. Therefore, as a result of receiving into their being the works of the serpent, their souls were now contaminated with the taste of the tree of which was forbidden. Their nature was now a dual nature of good and evil. This fruit of good and evil contained Within it, the seed, the seeds of good and evil, which would not only affect the once holy and innocent couple, but also the seed of Adam. So when they had partaken of the fruit of knowledge and good and evil, they now had an appetite for good and evil. And his future progeny would also come forth with a nature of good and evil. Think it not strange that their firstborn child, Cain, when they had Cain, Cain became this world's first murderer. The seed of evil was deeply implanted in his being. Had not evil been in his being, he could not have drawn from it had it not been in him. Now that the human spirit was infected with the word of evil, from the serpent it would be a generation cursed late it would be a generation cursed laid upon the human family until it would be totally removed by the promise given to adam and his wife by yah he said to them he would put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head and you shall bruise his heel in Genesis 3.15. So even though they sinned and they were not able to create the family of love that Elohim intended, Elohim did not give up on them. He said, I'm going to send my seed and he's going to be in confrontation with the seed of the serpent so I can still create this family of love. This text is a prophetical promise When we read Genesis 3.15, it is a prophetical promise that the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent would conflict with one another. In their confrontation, the serpent's seed head would be bruised and the woman's seed's heel would be bruised. According to this prophetical promise, there are two things we should take into consideration. First, What is being prophesied is not immediately, but rather it is to take place in a distant future. And the second thing that we need to be aware of is that even though this promise is made to Adam and Eve, it is not to be fulfilled by them. This was a promise for them, but not about them. They were given the promise But as a result, it was going to take place with someone else. So we have these two factors, the future application of a prophetical promise to take place and also with their future offspring. So this was a future promise and it would be with their future offspring, not with them per se. Their seed or their offspring would come from them generations later, but they would not necessarily be the ones in which it was take place with. So we ask the question, if the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent isn't referring to Adam and his wife, then whose seed are we referring to? Whose seed are they? When we look at Genesis 3.15, where, where are these seeds coming from? So while our text does make reference to the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, neither seed refers to that of Adam and Eve nor to the serpent. At this time, when this prophetical promise was given, however, what is constant about this prophecy is that there would come in the distant future a woman and her seed and the serpent and his seed. Consequently, if this prophecy wasn't given to them, then naturally we would ask, then who was it given to? As we have stated, the constant that we the constant is that we have is that whosoever fulfills this prophetical promise it would be the seed of a woman and the seed of a serpent so just how do we find out who they are okay let us find out if it wasn't adam and eve who are they how do we pinpoint who these two seeds are there's a text in Isaiah, which would be helpful in pointing out to us who they are. So let us turn to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 46. And we want to find out how can we pick up who this seed will be in the future and in the future, what would take place. Okay. Okay, and we want to read in Isaiah chapter 46, and we want to consider verse 10. Now, the Bible says here in verse 10 of the 46th chapter of the book of Isaiah, it says, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Now, when we look at this text, Isaiah is saying, declaring the end from the beginning. In ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. So what is Isaiah saying? What is he saying here? What we are experiencing is this. In this text is that in it, we want to know what the end of something will be. We can do so by understanding the beginning. So, in other words, Azir is saying under inspiration that if we want to know what the end is gonna be, he said Elohim has declared the end from where? From the beginning. And he said he had uh he has shown us in ancient times what would yet be done in the future. So if we want to know what the world will be like in the end, we have to go back to the beginning because he said, I've declared from the beginning the things that would be in the end, and I have declared from ancient times the things that yet shall be. So if we want to know what's going to be in the future, what's going to be at the end of time, the eschatological promises of the Bible and the book of Revelation. He said, go all the way back to the beginning. If you go back to the beginning, I will tell you what the end will be. So what we are experiencing is this text is that he's going to declare to us what the end will be from ancient of days, what his counsel has given to us. So what is it about the beginning that can help us to determine the ending. So let us go back to the beginning to determine the ending. Let us go back to the Ancient of Days to determine uh, what the outcome of the future would be. Now, according to the beginning, it was a serpent, okay? It was a serpent which beguiled Eve by deception. So let us go back to the beginning, all the way back to the book of Genesis. Now, the Bible says in Genesis... And when we look at Genesis chapter 1 uh, or chapter 3 and verse 1, it said, Now the serpent serpent was more subtile than any beast of the field, which Yah which Yahweh Elohim had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath Elohim said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the tree of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden Elohim has said "Ye shall not eat of it neither shall ye touch it so here we see the serpent in the beginning is attacking the woman if this is in the beginning it should also be in the ending so let us see this if this is so So, if we see that he is attacking the woman in the beginning and deceiving her, then what we're looking at also, that at the end of the world, we should be able to find the same scenario. So, in order to determine this, we would have to go to the ending. So, where do we find the ending? The ending is found in the book of Revelations. The Revelation talks about the end. So if the beginning you had a serpent beguiling a the woman, then we should also see a, a, a serpent beguiling a woman at the end of time, just like he did at the beginning. So let us turn to Revelation. In a Revelation, we want to look at chapter 12, and we want to consider verses 1 through 4. Okay, And what we're trying to do, Isaiah said, you're going to know the end from the beginning And you're gonna know what's gonna be in the future by the ancient of days. So we got to be very cognizant, we got to be very aware of what's going on in the beginning of creation, because what is going on in the beginning is gonna tell us what's gonna happen at the end of creation. We need not be in surprise. It's all written here. And the Bible says in Revelation 12 1, it says, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman. clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain, to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to to devour her child as soon as he was born. Here we see, just as the serpent pursued Eve, the woman, even so does the dragon pursue the woman. We may say that this is a dragon, not a serpent, pursuing the woman. However, what we find is that the dragon and the serpent are two ends of the same stick. Now, let us read in Revelation uh, chapter 12, verse 9. So we want to see how the serpent pursued the woman in Revelation as the serpent pursued the woman in the creation. So now the Bible says it was a dragon that was pursuing the woman. So how do we equate that with the serpent? Well, it is explained to us in Revelations 12.9. The Bible says in Revelation, the ninth verse of the twelfth chapter says and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent. In other words, he called the dragon the serpent. He said that great dragon that was cast out. The old that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Okay, at the time of Adam and Eve, they comp- those two comprised the whole world, and just like he deceived. Eve, he was deceiving the whole world when Adam and Eve was deceived. And so the Bible is saying here that this same devil is also called the dragon and he's called the old serpent. And again, just like he deceived the whole world back then, in the end of time, he's going to deceive the whole world again because the Bible says that the whole world followed the beast in Revelation 13 is that the whole world followed the beast. So we see here that he's also the serpent. And by being a serpent, he's going to deceive the whole world. But what we are trying to look at in this text, it identifies the dragon as the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. Now, what we notice in this prophecy is that the serpent Satan was after who? He was after the woman. Why was he after the woman? Because she is the seed carrier. Just like Eve was the seed carrier, in order for Satan to corrupt the whole world, he had to also corrupt her seed. So he didn't necessarily go after Adam, he went after the woman. So when the woman came around the tree of knowledge and good and evil and had a conversation with her, he knew if he could bring the woman down, he could bring... Uh, the seed down because the seed would come from Adam, and when it was deposited into her, then if he could corrupt Adam, he could corrupt the seed. If he could corrupt a woman, he could corrupt her womb, and therefore the seed that Adam put in her would also corrupt the seed for future generations. This is why he was dealing with the woman. All right. So when we look at Revelation chapter twelve and verse two, notice what it says. It says in Revelation verse two of the chapter twelve. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. In other words, the seed of the woman is about to be delivered. And then, in verse number four of the same chapter 12, it says, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. In other words, it's talking about Satan when he was cast out of heaven. He drew a third part of the stars, which means he drew a third part of the angelical host from heaven, and they were cast and did cast them to the earth. So Satan and his angels was cast to the earth, and he identifies his tail, had drew a third part of the angels with him. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So they, he wanted to get that seed. He wanted to get that seed as soon as it was born. He wanted to attack and kill the seed because if he knew he could, if he could kill the seed, he could kill Messiah who had come to give us deliverance. So he was trying to devour the seed of the woman for we read in Matthew. Let us go to Matthew, Matthew chapter one. He wanted to get rid of the seed. Now, when we read in Matthew chapter 1, we want to lead a few verses there. So we want to go to Matthew chapter 1, and in chapter 1, we want to start with verse 21. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Yeshua, for he shall say, his people from their sins. Verse 22 says, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of Yahuwah by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is Elohim with us. Then, y- Joseph, then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of Jehovah had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Okay, so what we see here in these particular verses is that Joseph was being informed of the angel, which we know to be Gabriel, that he should take Mary, his wife, even though she was pregnant to let him know there was not another man, but this was coming through the spirit of Elohim, that she would have a child. And so he went and took her for his wife. And now in Matthew chapter chapter one, we now go to chapter two, Matthew chapter two. And in chapter two, we want to read verses one to four. The Bible says, Now, when Yeshua was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod, the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where the Messiah should be born. Okay, so here we see when Herod had gotten the news, he thought another king was coming to take his earthly kingdom, and so he was disturbed. And so he demanded of the wise men and the scribes, and he said of them, he demanded of them, where the Messiah should be born. And verse 5 said, And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. Okay? Then let's go down to verse 7 says, Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search diligently for the young child, And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. So his intention was that they would come back and give him the news where the child was. But the Bible says in verse 12, and being warned, in other words, these wise men who had come uh, uh, to see the child, they were warned of Elohim in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So they didn't come back because they knew what his intentions was because the Bible revealed those intentions. Okay, what was the intention? All right, in Matthew chapter 2, in verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise man, was exceedingly wroth. In other words, he was exceedingly angry and set forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So Elohim told the wise men in the dream to go another way, and then he revealed the intentions of Herod to kill the child. Just as the servant pursued Eve, he also pursued Mary, Moreover, he would also pursue the woman who is the assembly of Yah's people. So what we are seeing at the beginning, it was Eve that he pursued to kill the seed of the woman. We see in the book of Revelation that it prophesied that the seed of the woman, she would be pursued. And through Mary, he was trying to pursue to kill the child through Herod. And we find also in the book of Revelation, the woman is representative of the church. So when we read about the woman, the assembly, the assembly of Elohim's people, the Bible says in Revelation 12, 17, it says, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of Elohim and have the testimony of Yeshua, the Messiah. So in other words, just as Eve was being pursued by the serpent and as the serpent proceed Mary to try to kill a child, he's also going to the woman, proceed to deal with the woman of Elohim's uh, assembly of people. And he's going to try to kill the remnant, which the Bible says in Revelation 12, 17, that the dragon or the serpent was wroth with the woman. And this is what we read in Genesis 3, 15, that there will be enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And all the way at the end of time, it is saying the same thing. He's angry. He had a hatred. The dragon had a anger, and he was wroth with the woman and went to make war with who? The remnant of her seed. In other words, he had a remnant of her seed that he wanted, that keeps the commandments of Elohim and have the testimony of Yeshua, the Messiah. So we can see in the chronological framework from Adam down to the end of time, there would be a war between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. The seed of the serpent would be, those who would be the children of Satan, that would be his seed. The children of the wicked one that we read in the parable of some time ago. It, the wicked ones are Satan's seeds, but Elohim's seed and those who come from the woman's seed would be the seeds of Elohim. So as we have looked at that, we have covered the pre-creation chronology, and today we have covered the present creation chronology, and next week, if it's his will, we'll cover the last uh, chronological framework. Eternal Father, as we continue to watch the narrative play out about the, your seed, which was your son, and how it was attacked on your son from creation all the way down unto the book of Revelation, and as we trace the narrative, help us that as we look to you, that you would be uh, given us the strength not to be the seed of the serpent, but the seed of the woman, that we may be a part of the remnant seed, that when you do come, that we can be able to comprise the family that you tried to create in the beginning, that when you redeem us, we can be the family that can carry on your love, is my prayer in Yeshua's name. And for his dear sake, I do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen.
0: Um, You know, it's interesting about the serpent and the dragon, because uh, I remember, I think it was when I was in the eighth grade, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. We used to get this little pamphlet book and it used to talk about different things in science. And it was talking about the snake, how it looked like in different in certain areas of a snake that it once had limbs. And mm-hmm. if you look at a dragon, a dragon has what legs and wings. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, did the serpent before YAH struck it to the ground had wings and limbs and feet and whatnot? Yeah.
1: Let um, see. I think it's in a book of uh, Ezekiel, if I'm not, not mistaken, I, don't, I might not put my finger exactly on the text, mm-hmm. but to change, but the, uh, identify your question there. yes i uh in the book of ezekiel it speaks about the serpent with wings mm-hmm. at one time the serpent did fly okay and apparently when he landed on that tree and uh intrigued uh eve
0: mm-hmm.
1: he was flying but when he got the curse he's he lost his privilege to fry mm-hmm. and elohim said you're gonna eat the dust which meant that you're gonna be crawling on the ground the rest of your life for what you did hmm yeah at one time it did have wings
0: now i I just also wonder did Satan try to manipulate other animals or species? What was it so much about the the serpent that what that he used the serpent was it the serpent was the only one that allowed him to speak to him or you know i wonder what was that whole situation and if the serpent wasn't didn't allow satan to use them will we at be at this point also where we at now with sin
1: uh well um uh, i think you kind of answered part of your question uh but we'll go into uh some more part of it uh, you know why uh why did he use the serpent? Okay, well, that could be a number of reasons that the Bible can give. And we turn to uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It said, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which who Elohim made. Okay, now the first thing that we're looking at, he said the serpent was one of the smartest, uh, he said, more subtle. In other words, he was more brilliant he had uh, more, what we may say, craftiness and understanding. He was what we may call the valedictorian of the class in the sense that he was one of the smartest animals that Elohim put on earth. Wow! So he went uh, So Satan went after the smartest.
0: Mm,
1: okay. Okay. He went after uh, him because of that. Now, did the serpent have to yield? No. The serpent, with his intelligence, if he was so smart. He could have said, no, you, you know, you're not going to use me. Yeah. You know, and then he made have try to get a less, an, another type of animal. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if all of the animals at this time spoke. They could have. That may have been a linguistic animal uh, talk. But once sin came in, then there was a barrier that was between man and the communication with animals. Okay. Okay. Now, while the King James vi- Version doesn't validate that, We can say that when Adam named the animals, that when he named them, he certainly had a communication with them, whether they could speak or not. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason why the devil may have have, have gotten him, because he was one of the smartest. And because Mm -hmm. he was the smartest, then that's what he went with. But Satan, but the the serpent made the choice. Mm -hmm. He could have said, just like Eve, that, you know, I'm not going along with this narrative. But he went along with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the second thing is that if Satan hadn't gone along with it, then he may have tried to get another animal to go along with him, mm-hmm. because when when the Elohim cursed the serpent, because the because the curse was upon the entire earth, uh, the curse also hit the hit the other animals, even though they didn't they didn't participate in it. So I can only, I can only say that in speculation that, uh, the other animals could have been summons. If the serpent had not done it, Uh he could probably got somebody, someone else just like if Judas didn't betray Elohim, somebody else might've betrayed him. It could have been, but I'm moving into speculation now, but we do know that, Judas did it; he didn't have to do it, and yeah. the serpent did it, but he didn't have to do it.
0: Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Right. And we have a question from a listener, and mm-hmm. it uh, reads: If a male and female both have seeds, wouldn't that be mingling of the seeds?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. But let me let me let me let me kind of clarify your question because, uh. Uh. Okay. and you said if, the. See,
0: if a male and female yeah, okay. both have seeds, wouldn't that be mingling of the seeds?
1: Okay, well, okay, I'm going to say, yeah, I understand what you're saying. You're saying the male and the female have a seed, and they mingle, that will be a mingling of a seed. Mm-hmm. According to your question, it would be, it would be, okay. Okay, all right, but let me put the, your question in perspective so we can... Uh, see what you're saying. In other words, you're saying if the male had a seed and the female had a seed, mm-hmm. that would be mingling of the seed. And as I've pointed out, from what you're saying, that would be a mingling of seed with the mm-hmm. female seed and a male seed. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what you want to take into consideration, the female has no seed. She only has the egg. She doesn't have a seed. Uh, the seed that the woman would have... The seed that the woman would have, and I thank you for the question because it's going to bring out something. It's going to bring out something that I think uh, we go along. We will go along with our subjects. Now, what I'm saying is, the fee, female doesn't have a seed; she only has the egg, and the man puts his uh, seed in her. See, because the laws of agriculture must not only be followed by Elohim, uh, by us, but Elohim has to follow his own law. He doesn't break his own law to mingle seed, because if he mingle seed, then wouldn't that give us permission? And even if it didn't give us permission, if he mingled the seed, then that would mean that you are telling us to do something that you're not doing. And mm-hmm. Elohim, you, he's in in harmony with the seed. Okay. So first of all, woman does not have a seed. She has an egg. Man puts a seed in her. Now, the other part of your question is this, that you raise, even though I'm not sure if you had it in man, but since you raise it, what we have here is that the woman seed come from man. So at, so Eve's seed came from the man. That's one seed. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. But when they listen to Satan and they allow his seed to come into them, then Satan is the one that mingled the seed, not, not Elohim. Okay, let, let's make this clear. Okay, now what is the seed? Now, you, if you remember in some of the lectures or discourses that we've had in the science of the seed, did not we point out that the seed is the word of Elohim? So when he spoke, that was his word, and he puts his word as a seed within us to reproduce after his kind. So if Elohim has a word which is his seed to bring forth man, Satan has a word that he speaks to bring forth people after him. Uh-huh. so if adam, if so, if Adam and Eve had the word of Elohim, which was his seed in them, and then they listened to the word of Satan, which was his seed. Then they took the seed of Elohim, and it was mixed with the seed of the serpent. So they was breaking his law by having two seeds in them. And so today we have two seeds in us. We have the seed of Elohim and the seed of the serpent. And what Elohim is trying to do until we are redeemed is to give us power over ourselves by giving us his word. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can condemn sin. Where? Where, does, where did Yeshua condemn sin? He condemned it in the flesh. Because Apostle Paul said, The good that I would do, I do not, and that which I do not want to do, that I do. Why? He said, Because there we have two natures. We have the seed of Elohim in us, and we have the seed of the serpent, which is mingling the seed. We are mingled seed. Mm-hmm. This is why in the parable it says. Let the seeds grow. Let them grow. Don't try to separate the wheat from the tare because we don't know how many people will be overcomers. They may have a dual nature, but there are many thousands of people that say, hey, I know I got a dual nature, but I'm going to follow Elohim. And in the end, you're going to turn out to be wheat. But there are some, they're going to say, well, I'd rather follow my nature of Satan. Well, you're going to be the tares. Because you refuse to be the wheat, But only at the end of time or in our life that he'll determine whether we are tares or wheat by who we follow. Yes, you are right. It's a mingling of the seed when it comes to Satan's seed and Elohim's seed. But when it comes to the woman's seed, there was only one seed. Appreciate your question. It was a good question. Very thoughtful. Uh,
0: Next question from another listener. The serpent seed doctrine says the serpent in the garden had sex with Eve in the garden. It also says that Cain and Abel were fraternal twins, with Abel being Adam's son and Cain being Satan's son. Cain is not mentioned in the genealogy of Adam. Is there any truth to this doctrine? Okay,
1: Yes, yeah, kind of comprehensive question, so let, let uh, read the first part of it to me so we can deal with it.
0: Okay, the Serpent Seed Doctrine says, the serpent in the garden had sex with Eve in the garden.
1: Okay, let's deal with that, that, that piece of it. Okay, all right, uh, okay. Let's turn back to Genesis uh, chapter 3 uh all right now what what some are saying is that the serpent and the woman had sex, <laughs> okay uh-huh. now what what we want to understand is this is that um, when when we look at, Chapter 3, um, in verse 2, it says, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Okay. Now, what we read in, 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 in Genesis chapter 3, we don't particularly read about them having sex, but what we do read is that they have a conversation. Okay, so this, this, this doctrine that, the serpent had actually sex with her, is 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 not being portrayed in this uh, scenario. It is saying all they had was a conversation, and after the conversation, she ate, and she gave to her husband. He ate, so now both of them ate. Now, what I want you to see here, uh, that doctrine that you that some are saying, is not supported by scriptures. But then I'm gonna I'm to say to the contrary that it is supported by scriptures. Now you say to yourself, how can it be not supported by the scriptures and then supported by the scriptures? Now the way it's not supported by the scriptures is we just read, it was just a conversation. If you have a if the serpent had a conversation with a, a woman, that is not considered sex. That just considers conversation. But how did he have sex with her? How can he not have it and yet have sex with her? Well, the way he had sex with her was through what we call spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery is taking the word of Satan and put it over the word of Elohim. That's spiritual adultery. Just like he was Elohim all down through the scriptures, he's telling ancient Israel, and he's telling us today. He said, We are committing spiritual adultery. How how do we do it? Because we are following false doctrine, what somebody is saying that is not truth. And Elohim is saying, I'm giving you truth over here. But you take a false truth and put it over my truth, that's spiritual adultery. Okay? That's spiritual adultery. Alright, whenever you take the word of Satan or the word of man and put it over the word of Elohim, that's spiritual adultery. Okay, let's go a little bit further. Let's go a little bit further. Okay, now let's go to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Okay? L- read the other part of your questions. Read the other part of your question.
0: Okay. It also says that Cain and Abel were fraternal twins with Abel being Adam's son and Cain being Satan's son.
1: Okay. All right. Again, we want to go to scripture. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter four. Okay. It said, and Adam knew Eve, his wife. Okay. Now this is where people, this is where people may say, this is where sex came in because he said Adam knew his wife and if she knew his wife and she had Cain, and Abel, then that mess to that they had sex. Okay, well, we can confirm it in this text, but there was nothing in the other text that confirmed that the serpent knew Eve. It never said he knew Eve. So if it didn't say he knew Eve, then it was just a conversation. He did not really touch her in, in, in a sexual manner, okay? But now dealing with the second portion of the question, were they fraternal twin, twins? Well, there's no indication from this text Okay, there's no indication from this text that they were fraternal twins. And, they, and here's my reason for it. It said, and he said, and Eve, his wife, he knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. It says she she bare Cain, okay, and said, I have gotten a man from Yehoah, okay? So in other words, she said, I've gotten a man, okay? That was the first child that she got in a man. So, somehow, the, what she named Cain has something to do with the first that she had a man-child. So, so, Cain has something to do with a male child. Okay, then, the Bible goes on in verse 2 of, 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 of uh, Genesis 2. I mean, Genesis 4, verse 2 says, And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Okay, now, Abel... Uh, was a shepherd, and Cain was a farmer, okay? Now, in that that passage, it says nothing about no fraternal twins, okay? Okay, now, if they were fraternal twins, then that does not necessarily mean that they had to be born at the same time because he, he was born after Cain. But they could be fraternal twins. Even after he was born, they could, you know, they could, they could, they could still look alike. But according to this text, I don't, I don't see that in this text. I see the difference that they had was one is going to be a shepherd, and one is going to be a, a, a farmer. Okay. Now his firstborn son, he turned out to be a murderer. And the second son turned out to be the victim. But I I don't see anything about them being a twin. Now, I'm going to give you two reasons why I don't think they were fraternal twins. I'm going to give you two reasons why. Okay. Now, the first reason I'm going to give you is found in uh, Genesis 5. This turns to Genesis chapter 5. Okay. Now, in Genesis chapter 5... We want to look at verse number, let me see. Well, we'll start with verse number one. Okay. In verse number one, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that Elohim created man in the likeness of Elohim, made he him. Okay. So it's saying, Adam, he was made in the image of who? He was made in the image of. Of uh, uh, of Elohim that's that's who is made in the image of all right okay now and then it goes on to further say male and female created he them and he blessed them he called their names Adam okay so apparently he said they called their names Adam he said he made the male and the female now I'm assuming that if he called their name Adam and they both was made in Elohim's image I think Adam and Eve, if you're going to get any fraternal twins, Adam and Eve certainly look like one another because they both look like Elohim. And if they both look like Elohim, they could have been fraternal. But it says nothing about uh, here that Cain and Abel were fraternals. Okay, but let us read on further. And then it says in verse 3, And Adam lived 130 years, and he begat his son in his own likeness, after his image, and he called his name Seth. Okay, now what I want you to see here in this text passage, that Seth means one who was in Adam's image, you see. When they sin, then instead of getting children in their image, they are now getting children after Adam's image. So that shows you how far the image had gone. But again, we do not see that even Seth, the third one, was in the image of down. Okay, the second point that we want to emphasize is this. Is this, And I think this is a strong point that may help us to see what, what you're talking about. All through the Bible, all through the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, whenever they had twins, Elohim told, them, told us who the twins was. Okay? He told us who the twins were. And when when, when when there were there were two nations, when there was two, and when Rebecca was having two nations in her womb, Esau and J, and, and and Jacob, they were to be twins. But the Bible tells us that they were twins because when she was struggling to know what was going on in the womb, Elohim said to to her, "There are two nations in your womb." That's that's who was struggling, Esau and Jacob. And then when they were born, then the Bible tells us that they were twins. And then there there was another case, I think, in the Bible uh, when Tamar or something, I think she, uh, before Jesse, I think she had twins, and the Bible says that they were twins. So usually when they were twins, the Bible states that they were. But I don't see any indication in this Bible and even the rest of the Bible that when they have twins, the Bible doesn't say that they were twins, just like some people say that uh, when Noah had his sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, they were all born at the same time. Now, they could have been, but I don't get any reference from that. And the reason why they say that is because the Bible uses say that when one get a son, just like when we talked about uh, Adam and Eve having a son, they talked about one son after another. But when it gets to Noah's situation, they, they talked about all three of them at the same time. Now, they possibly could have been triplets. I don't know. They could have been born at the same time because it doesn't say uh, Noah begot Ham, and then Noah begot Shem, and then Noah begot Japheth. It doesn't say that. It just brings them all in at the same time. So some people form the opinion that they all three were born at the same time. But I can't substantiate that from scriptures because it doesn't say they were twins. Okay, that various names sell somewhat of their character, and usually the character has something to do with how they look. And so I cannot say that Cain and Abel were fraternal twins. Now let's get to the last part of the question.
0: Okay, and it reads Cain is not mentioned in the genealogy of Adam. Well,
1: uh, well let let us let, let, see what the genealogy let's see what the gene, genealogy is. And then we 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 can know, okay? Now we have two genealogies which you have pointed out. And now you're saying that Cain is not mentioned in the genealogy of Adam. Okay, now you are correct in what you're saying, but you you're also incorrect. <laughs> okay. So and again you're saying, how can you be correct and incorrect? Well, for the mere fact that Cain was from Adam meant that he was in Adam's genealogy, okay? You're correct. You 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 you. you, you I mean, you're incorrect on that point. That uh, he was not a part of Adam's chronology. He was because he came from Adam, so he was a part of his chronology. But you are correct in the sense that uh, when when he had Seth in, in in chapter in in chapter five, another genealogy. Then when he has Seth, then it was through Seth that another genealogy was formed. Okay, now, Cain was not a part of that. He was not a part of that. But being the first child and killing Abel, he cut off one of the sons. And the son that he cut off was continued through Seth. But this, but he himself continued another line through Adam. Okay, let us let us look at that line. Okay, let us turn to uh, Genesis chapter 4, and from chapter 4, we want to start with verse number 16. It says, and Cain went out from the presence of Jehovah and dwelt in the land of Nod in the east of Eden, okay? And Cain knew his wife, okay? Now here's where it says Cain knew his wife, okay? And she conceived and bare Enoch, Okay so, so, uh, Enoch came forth from uh, Cain's wife that he found after being in the eastern of Eden, okay? So that started a line all the way down uh, to verse twenty four, and we see in verse twenty four that Limitch had two wives, but they all came from that particular line of Cain, even though Cain came from Adam. Okay, now we read in verse 25 of the fourth chapter that we just read. We know that Cain unstarted another line. It said, and Adam knew his wife, and she buried a son. She called him name Seth, for Elohim said, she has appointed, uh, she uh, said, she hath appointed me another instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth and to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enoch, Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of Jehovah. Okay, so what we see here that the replacement of Abel was Seth, and it started a whole new line. And when you start comparing the genealogy of the fourth chapter with the gene- genealogy of the fifth chapter, what you're going to notice, there's a similarity in, in many of the names. But like I said, you're in, incorrect that he was not a part of Adam's, Adam's land. He was because he came from Adam. But you are correct that when he started the land of what we call the righteous people, then he was not a part of that And that you are correct.
0: Uh, I don't have, have you read, you, have you read, read the book of Adam and Eve? I read some of it. i not all of it. Um, I believe in the book of Adam and Eve, it talks, it goes in I think a little bit more detail about Cain's lineage and everything, because the way it's talks, like I think one of his seeds was the one that took him out. Now you can take it with a grain of salt, <laughs> you know, on the story that's in there. We, you know, cause it's one of those books that, uh, uh, you know, people don't consider part of the Bible and whatnot, but it does, in my opinion, has some type of story And Mm -hmm. everything in there possibly about Cain and his lineage, but I'm just wondering too. uh, The question about the genealogy is that you know we don't hear more of it past really. I think of Genesis. Am I right or wrong? Mm -hmm. Not the genealogy, the author of
1: the Bible. You had the genealogy in a a book of Chronicles. Okay, talks about the genealogy of Cain. Well, it traces the whole chronology from Adam on down.
0: Yeah, but I'm saying
1: um are you talking about Cain particularly? Yes. Oh, no, no. It, it no, not 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 Cain's, but remember Elohim is interested in the people of Elohim and he traces uh Seth all the way down, but not not a uh, not Cain. Cain, I think is exclusively unless I'm mistaken, is exclusively in the book of
0: Genesis. Because I'm just wondering uh was most of Cain's seed wiped out during the flood.
1: But everybody's seed was wiped out in the flood,
0: but Noah. But Noah's. And Mm -hmm. Noah came from uh, his line came from was it Seth or
1: uh, Well, it came all the way down
0: from Adam. You remember uh, uh, that
1: when you read the genealogy uh, that Noah, by the time the Noah had gotten, gotten upon the scene, that he was the one that the in in his time that the flood came, but see nora came from uh from ter uh tira and if you taste tira on back you know they keep on going on back until mm. you get to Adam. okay but uh you can find that in uh let me see okay, seeing let's see. Let's see. Uh, you can you can find that in Genesis chapter 5. Uh, it, it brings the genealogy all the way up until the time of Noah. And then by the time you get to Noah, in the 32nd verse of Genesis 5, it said, And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And that's what I was talking about earlier, that all three of these sons seemed like they came together it didn't. Yeah. It didn't give a chronological time period when Shem, Ham, and Japheth had come. Uh-huh. And so some people say, well, since he knew he needed help in building the ark, he gave him three sons at one time so they can all help build the ark. But I, <laughs> I don't know that to be true. I can only speculate at this particular point. Uh-huh. But what I'm saying is, all of them, they came through the line, you know, of Seth and Adam. Uh-huh.
0: Well, if there are any more questions on that, just uh, shoot us an email and we get it to the pastor so he can answer it. And with that, we can transition to our next segment. Up next is Let's Talk About That. Uh, as we have talked about, as the pastor has talked about, um, the seed. Part of the seed is, and what Satan has done is deception. So I kind of want to talk about today about deception because deception is why Eve partook of the fruit and why sin has entered the world and why we're at this point we are at now. And if you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me in the Matthew, the 24th chapter, and we're going to read verses 22 through 24. And that's Matthew 24 verses 22 through 24, and it reads, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Mashiach, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Mashiach, false gods and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, so much so that if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect. So we see here the elect. If Yah doesn't cut things short, that the elect will be uh, deceived. And so, Pastor, I want to know first who are Yah's elect that is spoken of in this verse? Or in this,
1: in this particular,
0: in this particular passage, where we're looking at the elect,
1: uh, those who would be considered in knowledge of the true scriptures in the sense of the fact that they are the ones that are close to him. It's like, as a passage of scripture says, many are called, mm-hmm. but few are chosen and they, they're sort of like the chosen that he has. Okay. You know, you got a lot of people, they've been called, but the chosen are people who are generally very close to him. Now, one of the examples I can draw is that Yeshua, when he was on earth, he had, according to the Bible, 70 disciples outside of the 12.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: But I would consider the 12 that he had, Uh they were the elect. They were close to him. They, They knew. Matter of fact, in this 24th chapter, they are the ones that is questioning him is the reason why he's telling them this. Uh-huh. So a disciple who is very close to Yeshua and knows his will, they are his elect. Now, a lot of people, they may be disciples and servants of his, but they are not as close as the elect. And so when he talks about the elect, he's talking about people that are not a novice. They, they are in the word. They are studying the word. They like the Bereans. They are searching to see whether these things are so or not. They are his elect. And so when he talked about the elect being deceived, he said, if it were possible, mm-hmm. which he probably is saying that in an illustration, that if it were possible, they would see, they would deceive the elect.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: Be, because I'm saying if you shrewd enough to, 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 uh, deceive the elect, then you're pretty shrewd. He said, now, when you look at the text, it says, and, uh, In in, in verse 24, he said, if it were possible, in other words, most likely you're not going to deceive the elect, most likely. But Uh he said, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. In other words, the disciples and us who are close to him and reading his word and know his word is possible. We may be deceived. He said, if it were possible. So, he elected those in this circle that are quite close to him.
0: So uh if it were possible his very elect could be possibly deceived mm-hmm. is that because satan has mingled so much now truth with error that it would be hard to distinguish uh what is truth from error
1: mm-hmm. that, yeah i think you hit it on the head it it would be hard to distinguish truth from error but the elect they are so studious in the bible i mean mm. They just drink his, eat his word, you know. They study prophecy. They look at this backwards and forwards, and and they are able to make the distinction, okay? Mm-hmm. They are not making the judgments who are going to be saved or lost. No, I'm not saying that. But what they are doing, they are so keen in studying the truth that when the falsification comes along with all of his miracles and doing what he's doing, they 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 know this is not this is not true. This is something that is coming from the evil one. Mm -hmm. You know, now there may be some of the elect, if possible, that they can start being trifling with the word and thinking that they don't need to be as studious in the word when they see things are happening in the world and not comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Now they possibly, they, they may They may could be, you know, deceived. But what it is pointing out here is that they are so close and sharpening their sword at every opportunity and examining his word so close that when things of deception and things of falsehood come along, Mm -hmm. they are able to make the distinction. So it's very hard to deceive them. But there's a possibility if they become slack in what they're doing, then mm-hmm. there's a possibility they could be. That's why I see, that's why he said, if possible.
0: Okay. Now, we know the children of Israel are Yah's chosen people. Are his elect specifically from the children of Israel, or could they be uh, chosen from other nations, even Gentiles?
1: Well, they could be. Uh, you now, when we talk about the elect, it, you know, even though Israel is elect's people, but uh, he he can, you know, have other, other, other servants. You know, uh, what I'm trying to do is let me see. Uh, he 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 can have others. Mm-hmm. Let me see. And I know the Apostle Paul, he speaks about the Gentile nation uh, being grafted in to the true olive tree. Mm -hmm. You know, how some of the true uh, people of Elohim, they were branches on the olive tree, and he broke the branches off. And where he broke them off, he grafted in the Gentile nation. And if the Gentile nations was grafted in, then if they become so proud that they begin to go contrary like the originals did, then they can be cut off again. They can be cut off. Mm-hmm. even though they call themselves the true people mm-hmm. uh, once they have been gra- grafted in. But there is a possibility that uh, they, they who are the true people can, can be uh, left out and, as a result, uh, be deceived by the evil one. I can't locate that text right now. No, here it is right here. Okay. Uh, here it says in Romans chapter 11, I'm just going to read a few of the verses. It says in Romans 11:11, it says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Elohim forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. In other words, he is saying, if the original people, you know, they stumbled and fell, and as a result, Mm -hmm. he brought in the Gentiles, and when the Gentiles came in, they're going to provoke them to jealousy because he says in verse 12, for if the fall of them, and that them is talking about his original people, be the riches of the world, which is the Gentile people, and the diminishing of them, in other words, the diminishing of the uh, uh, of his people, they become the riches to the Gentiles. In other words, they open a door. You, just like when Satan uh, uh, and all of the angels fell from heaven, they opened the door for somebody else to take their places, okay, because they lost their first estate. So it's saying if on this earth, if it's true people, Fall away, Gentiles can come in and take their place. He said, How much more of their fullness? He said, For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provide, I may provoke to immolation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. So, yes, they can. Be people of other nations, not just not just his nation, but other nations, the Gentiles, because that's what he intended to bring the Gentiles in as well. Not just not just his people, but we ought to preach it to them. And if they come in, well, certainly, you know, they can be the elect too.
0: Okay, so the elect. I mean, it's no specific amount. It's just the people who intently study and divulge into his word constantly to know right from wrong.
1: Yeah, not only that, you know, to know and to study, but to also be walking in the truth that he has given. Yeah, you're right.
0: All right, Pastor, can you take us to the throne as we get ready to close out this week's podcast?
1: Okay, our loving Father, we thank you for the dialogue that we've had concerning the elect. Help us also strive not to be called, but to also be chosen, that we may be the elect of you and to be able to teach others, and others can teach us that we may arrive at the truth. So as we looked at the the present creation chronology and the things, Lord, that we've dealt with, that as we anticipate another week that you would continue to bless us and restore us, that we can come refreshed to be able to engage in another week's labor as you see fit, Lord, to bring us to another Shabbat that we can be able to look at another time frame, O Heavenly Father, about the son of Elohim and his seed. So we thank you, Lord, for what we've had this day, and we ask that you would continue to bless and keep us. Be with those who are having sickness and death in the family, be with those, O Heavenly Father, who are looking for truth, that they may find it. Be most of all with those who are sincere and they wanna walk in all of the light that you have, Lord, that you may be blessed in to be able to have that experience now we ask a blessing upon my host, myself, and each person who is listening, and their families and their loved ones, that I would continue to guide them. Be with those who may, during the week, look at the broadcast, look at the podcast, and listen to it, that they too may be impressed of the things that are coming from your word, to be able to walk in the truth of it. And finally, O Heavenly Father, as we come together each Shabbat, that one time, O Heavenly Father, when time should be no longer, and you get ready to come back. That as we have ceased from our work on the Shabbat, that one day we're going to cease from all of our work in this world. And may when we cease, just like we do for each weekly Sabbath, that when we cease our labors in this world, that our work may be done, and we can hear from your lips to do well done. Pray this prayer in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And I mean. I mean.
0: Oh, on Wednesday, September the 28th, we want you to mark your calendars. We will be celebrating the Feast of Trumpets again on Wednesday, September the 28th. Mark your calendars. We will be we will be celebrating the Feast of Trumpets. We don't have a time yet. We will be getting that together and we'll be making that announcement. What time we'll be having Feast of Trumpets services but uh mark it on your calendars wednesday the 28th of september feast of trumpets that is our podcast for this week if you have any questions or comments please feel free to email us at science of the covenant at gmail.com know therefore that yahuwah Eloheka is he is elohim the faithful el which guards his covenant and mercy with them that love him and guard his commandments to a thousand generations until next week shalom